This is the State of Innovation podcast, where digital transformation's finest share their strategies and stories. Hey there, and welcome to the State of Innovation podcast, where we discuss digital transformation, strategy, stories, and the mindset behind it. I'm your hype guy, Luke Bahanaki. In today's inaugural episode, our host, Misha Hannon, from yours truly, Deep Dive Technology, is joined by David Post, Managing Director for IBM Blockchain. Misha and David met a couple of years back over a New York City dinner and have been blockchain buddies ever since. Can they finish each other's sentences? Probably, but in any event, Misha could not have thought of a better first guest and guinea pig than his pal David. In this episode, we're going to dive deep into such topics as the benefits of blockchain, who needs it, and what's slowing down adoption, where the concept of business development and network building comes into play in the world of technology from two guys who believe in strategic partnerships more than anybody, the future of smart cities from a digital transformation perspective, and the biggest challenges and opportunities facing the large enterprise today. Whether you're watching or listening, enjoy today's episode. Visit stateofinnovation.show for future episodes and join the conversation on LinkedIn. David. Well, well, welcome uh, to this session. I'm really glad that Thanks you accepted it, accepted the invitation. And uh, to be honest, it's a uh, first, first session that uh, we record. And uh, I couldn't think about anyone else better than you to be on this first episode. Okay? <laughs> well, I, I, hope, I hope I meet expectations. You're setting big <laughs> expectations. I hope uh, I can meet them. No, and actually, you know what? I really want to do this as a real conversation, open conversation, and uh, it's not any selling conversation. Uh, I I know that you're passionate about what you do and how you do it, okay? And I I also really passionate. Like, I I love to do what I do, okay? And uh, I even remember our first, uh, first meeting in New York, that like uh, really first time we, we, we saw each other and suddenly like I, f- I felt like an amazing click, okay? Yeah, I agree, I agree. And, uh, and like when I started to plan all this, I said to myself like, okay, David is going to be the first person that uh, I will talk <laughs> to, okay? Thank you. And here we are. And uh, I would really want to ask you to introduce yourself like in a really first few short sentences okay sure. uh, to, to let people know like uh, what why are you here and why we're we having this conversation exactly great yeah so david post uh, i, I kind of wear two hats within the ibm's blockchain group the, the first is uh, the managing director for ibm blockchain ventures so that's kind of the, the net network incubation arm for the blockchain group and then uh what i've increasingly been spending a lot of my time on uh is the first network that we've incubated so that's it's called trust your supplier it's basically a, a blockchain network focused on supplier onboarding and validation. We have around 30 Fortune 500 companies uh, signed up already. Been working on this for a r- roughly two years now. Time flies when you're having fun. And uh, have been thinking a lot about uh, blockchain networks, how to convene them, 
Uh, that's the special sauce here. Everyone focuses on the technology, on the speed, on the security. But the, the special sauce here is, is how you convene these networks. And the, our ability to convene blockchain networks is going to really determine, I think, on how, effect, how fast and uh, efficiently Internet Web 3.0 is going to come to pass. Because uh, I think you, you have to get these uh, business processes integrated and automated in order to really recognize the, uh, and realize the potential of, of Web 3.0. Awesome, glad. <laughs> I'm glad that you actually mentioned all that because uh, I, I do believe that uh, one of the biggest challenges that we are facing right now, and I don't want to even use the buzzwords like as a digital transformation, uh, it's actually the adoption of the new technology. Uh, would you agree with me? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, I think people have focused on the, the technology at the expense of the overall business benefits and outcomes. Uh, so if you look at uh, the way I describe blockchain technology versus other stuff in the market, something like AI, for example, is AI is a relatively immature technology with pretty well-defined use cases. I would say blockchain is a relatively mature technology with relatively undefined use cases. And I think that uh, it's been interesting to me to see all of the hype and interest has gone into you know, the crypto space to these layer one protocols. And, um, and by and large, people have gone to market with blockchain software as a point-to-point -point offering. That's not really, in my opinion, where the, the special sauce happens here. The, the value of blockchain is its ability to harmonize intercompany business processes, kind of like how ERP did within enterprises. And that's challenging work, um, but that's where the real synergies are, and that's where the potential for automation happens. Uh, everybody, when they focus on blockchain, they talk about security, they talk about auditability. Um, yes, that's the case. But I think uh, as important is, is down the road is the ability to automate business processes. And the only way you can really do that is if you have an agreement among stakeholders in an ecosystem about how that business process should be standardized. So I think that's what has, has slowed adoption is, a, is the focus has been in, I think, the wrong areas if you're, if you're trying to get widespread adoption, especially within the enterprise space. And, uh, and until, that, until people kind of come around to what this is and what this isn't, uh, I think it, it'll continue to, you know, it's, it's moving fast, but it's not going to scale as quickly as it would otherwise. So uh, what's, what's your opinion? Uh, what should we do right now to in, at least increase a little bit the, the adoption? Okay, like... Yeah, so I, I think it's it, it's coming up with 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 uh, strong use cases that provide time to value. I think it's uh, so. I, I think there's a there's a value proposition here. I think it's under it's helping people understand uh, what this technology is really well suited for versus what it's maybe not. It's understanding that um, the ecosystem is what really is most important here, and mm -hmm. um, you can have a blockchain-based application that create value, but that's going to be you know, pennies compared to the value you can generate if you are able to convene a network around a, a business problem. So I think it's the, uh, I would say in the, in the enterprise space, it's kind of uh, showing the potential, uh, the best way to do it is to show that where networks are successful. So it's showing the potential of a network-based approach to, to solving uh, business challenges. I think in the, if you're, if you're to meld the crypto and the enterprise world, it's understanding the extent to which um, there is a layer one protocol out there and how that relates, you know, the relationship between layer one protocols to enterprise use cases. I think that's relatively undefined. I think that it'll increase uptake if you can meld the, the crypto and the enterprise world. And uh, I think it's just uh, also understanding which entities in the ecosystem are best positioned to uh, con to uh, convene these networks and also which ones are best positioned to kind of help get them off the ground and participate in them. So my, my view uh, after working on trust your supplier is that uh, large companies can, 
do blockchain networks. Certainly IBM has done them as, a, as of other large organizations, but I think that there's an advantage to pairing, uh, this is what we've done with Trust Your Supplier, pairing the speed and agility of a startup with the brand and distribution of a large organization because you can simply move faster and uh, in more agile way if you have that construct while also getting the benefits of, of bringing a lot of clients to the network. So that's what I, I would say. Those are the three things on top of mind that probably would help. I think that if you look at the, if the research, a lot of enterprise buyers are still very interested in, in, uh, in doing blockchain projects. So I'd say maybe there was a little bit of a dip, but I don't, I don't think that's sustained. I think people can see the potential over time, but it's just really coming to an understanding. If you're going to do it internally, here's what the value proposition is. It's engaging with your ecosystem associated with your company. If you want to improve the process of doing business with other companies, you got to find a network to join and, you know, pick this, what you think you can create the most value. So technically, um, if we will talk about technical piece for a second, uh, and I, I would love to go and get back to the business side of this uh, use case, but from the technical perspective, you do see that blockchain is the, actually the platform or framework that allows to integrate multiple businesses and multiple companies. Is it true? Correct. Yeah, I think it's, it's the permissioning aspect. So. Um, it's being able to have individual exchanges of information in the context of a business network and in a safe and secure fashion. I think that uh, kind of part two of that is the is the benefit of having a, a, a common ledger and being able to automate business processes. So, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of focus right now on trust your supplier and the, the compliance space. So uh, oftentimes companies will do their own compliance checks. And um, that's kind of very repetitive because they're basically looking for the same information. I use the analogy. It's if you're in the United States and every time you cross the state line, you have to get a new driver's license. They're basically mm -hmm. asking for the same, you know, the same information personally, the same qualifications, but every, we're treating it like it's, uh, it's something that's happening anew. So I think that the, the difference here is that um, if, if, you, if you have a, 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 an identity source, so Trust Your Supplier is all about an identity for suppliers that's credible, it's on the blockchain, you can permission your information if you're a, a, a supplier. If you can make, if you can establish that underlying identity, and mm -hmm. uh, then you can automate things on top of it. So using zero knowledge proofs, you could say, okay, I, I trust these other ten companies. Uh, if they've done a validation using a validator that I approve of for compliance purposes, I don't need to know who did it. I just need to know that it's been done, and uh, the blockchain network can give me a high level of security or, or uh, that in my and uh, assumption that that it's actually has occurred. So the business, as I said, that we we've kind of I think lost the, the business process automation aspect of this. And, uh, and that's what everybody dreams about when they, when they, when they talk about web 3.0 is the business process yeah. automation. And, um, and the only way you can do that is if you have people playing in a common sandbox around standardized business processes. I see. I see. And from Derek, from, from your observation, from your experience, uh, what do you see? Um, did you feel that, uh, executives behavior has changed? Uh, toward the blockchain adoption, or they still yeah, kind of in the fear. No, I, I think that everyone is. Uh, I think people are interested. I think, the, the, as I said, if you look at all the the surveys done by IBM by our competitors, I mean, there's still. A, a, I think people are still understanding that the there's a lot of value in doing this. So I think that I think interest continues to to increase. I think that um, of course, in order for that interest to be maintained people need to see that business value is being created. 
And a lot of this, I think, when you look at, especially with networks, which is what I, as you can tell, I'm probably, <laughs> I'm focused on thinking about as opposed to specific blockchain chain applications is that they take time to develop and um, they might require organizations who are launching them to do business in, in, in very different types of ways. So there's a paradigm shift happening. And I think it's incumbent on uh, those who are within the industry who are providing those services or the thought leadership around networks to really help clients identify the areas of opportunities where they can really derive the most value. Because of course, as with anything, if people don't see the value, they're not going to continue to, to, to uh, proceed. Exactly. So uh, I, I think that there's interest, but it's that the challenge is, is that, and uh, I've seen this firsthand in our networks, is that uh, large organizations are complex and it's difficult to get everybody on the same page around uh, getting aligned around a common way of uh, interacting with a, a various business process. So that's the challenging thing here is, is how do you use the, the power of uh, large organizations to set standards? And I think that whoever can effectively solve that issue around one use case in a given issue area, well, then they have the opportunity to do it in a variety of other contexts. But that's the hard part is getting the flywheel going because I work for a large, complex organization. Imagine yep. trying to work for, for 50, with 15 of them at the same time, each with its own unique set of priorities, unique set of politics. So you have to get everybody to get a successful network going, basically rowing in the same direction. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, there's not a lot of experience out there with consortium-based business-to-business marketplaces. People have launched B2B marketplaces. If you look at the uh, B2B marketplace sector, Alibaba is the one that comes to mind. There's not a lot of other ones that have reached a substantial amount of scale, uh, especially around business process redesign. So that's the challenge and the opportunity. And I think that if uh, you know clients and vendors alike come in with the assumption and the context that that's the problem that you have to solve for at an organizational level, that will obviously improve the speed to which you can begin to improve things at the business process level. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that you already started to face, I hope you guys started to face a situation uh, where multiple companies already did some uh, POC or de even deployment of their own blockchain. And now right. they're, they're like uh, multiple companies with multiple blockchains thinking about, okay, now what? How are we going to integrate now? How are we going to yeah, of course. Uh, uh, exchange data? So what's your takeaway on that? Like, how do you think it should be addressed in this case? Well, I think there's always the inclination to try to, to try to go it alone, right? You have your internal budget allocated. It's much easier to demonstrate a return to your boss if you're just doing your own POC. Say it's less less complex than having to deal with other companies and having to negotiate with them and you know not do everything that your legal wants to do, have to negotiate with your legal. Yeah. So I, I, but, but at the same juncture, I mean, there, there are limitations in terms of what you can do if you're just using this for internal purposes. Uh, I, I think that we have seen companies successfully implement blockchain internal pilots. We've done it with an IBM and seen with other clients where you can generate value. If you're talking about transformation though, it's really exchanging value between parties where you need trust, where you need security, where you need auditability. And that, and that kind of requires um, a, a different delivery mechanism. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, you, you see, you, we've seen consortiums emerge. Um, they have different types of formats. I have my feelings on what consortia have a higher likelihood success versus others. So we can, we can talk with that about that if you want to. But I think it's, sure. uh, it, it's, understand, it's understanding the opportunities and limitations associated with trying to establish um, something that's going to create value for 
uh, your ecosystem and whether ecosystem. it's possible to do that internally or whether you have to collaborate with uh, even competitors to, to achieve those objectives. I see, I see. No, it, it's, it's really interesting because we, we started to see this on our angle as well. Okay, mm -hmm. but uh, from, uh, I was really curious to, to hear this from you, like if uh, IBM already sees this, okay? Because like, if you ask me, I think IBM won the game of the blockchain adoption by big enterprises. So everybody, like I hear this a lot, like it's probably just few blockchains that uh, I can list as an enterprise ready. And for sure, IBM, it's probably uh, number one. Okay, so, and I hear this when, when I talk personally to executives, different enterprises around the globe. And uh, I, I really glad to hear the, the same from you. Like, uh, so it's really, really interesting, interesting approach. And I also do, do, do hear, uh, do see that companies uh, already getting to the points like, Okay, how are we going to integrate with another blockchains down the road? So, exactly. it will be a really interesting uh, uh, scenarios uh, where we will talk. I have another yeah, question. I, 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 go ahead. I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, th I think the interesting point on that is that, you know, if, if companies are thinking about making that, that financial investment, you know, is it, is it right to start off the bat trying to do that in a more, in a more uh, with a couple of other companies? So, um, it'd be, you know, I think the, your, your experience kind of tracks with what, what, with what we're seeing is that clients can get a lot of value out of these internal PSCs, but would there be more collective value via synergies if you start out with an ecosystem-based approach for the, for, at the outset? And I think in, in many cases, um, the answer might be yes. It might add a little bit of additional complexity, but I think that, uh, as we know, blockchain is a, is, is a team sport here, so it, it requires getting the ecosystem involved. It's like internet, right? Well, we can we can be in our local network or and have some benefits uh, being local, or we can connect to the entire Correct. world and ex uh, start exchanging information, data, and start benefiting from there. Okay. Correct. So the question that I have uh, right now: uh, so who needs the blockchain the most right now? What is your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's that's a good question. I mean, I I wouldn't say that. I think that there's opportunities in various sectors. Uh, so I, I, I think that if you look at what ERP did, and I know you've got a lot of experience with ERP from, from the early days in terms of doing the implementations, is that it really created a lot of efficiencies by getting everybody on the same page. That, that's what drove the synergies, is having one common view of how you're going to plan resources for an enterprise. So the, uh, there aren't, that, that by and large hasn't translated to the standardization of business processes between companies. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that there, the, the, the lack of business process standardization is what drives challenges. So if you're looking at the energy sector with, uh, with uh, load balancing on the grids, um, there's just not one way of doing that, or there's not one way of um, if, if people reduce their energy usage to basically compensate them with some type of store of value. If you look at the media sector, uh, there's not really uh, that efficient of a way of being able to track whether advertisements are being uh, tracked, you know, be, being delivered fraudulently, or people are just, you know, clicking over and over again, because there's not a standard for how we track and measure that, and then exchange value between people within the ecosystem. So, I don't think that there are industries that don't have that problem. Quite simply, because not a lot of effort has been put into both standardizing and automating the way that business processes unfold between companies. So I think that's the opportunity here. I wouldn't say that there's one or one industry has needs it more than others. 
of course, there might be more value created in, in one industry versus another from a monetary standpoint. Well, my, my, my much more, more visible, right? Exactly. The, the, the problem statement still evolves. I mean, I, I think that the supplier onboarding and validation space that I've learned about is a very interesting area. I mean, shared KYC, the challenge there is, once again, how do you get you know, large financial institutions to standardize around one process for, for doing KYC? Yeah. Um, so uh, there's, there's, a, there's opportunities all over the place. But once again, it gets back to the question, you know, can you convene a network and an ecosystem with the, with the, with the players and the amount of transaction volume required to begin to, to standardize that? That's really, I think the problem the industry has to solve for internal POCs, of course, are going to continue to generate value. But I think that um, where this gets very interesting from a, a business perspective, both from folks owning the networks and from folks participating in them is you can get to some level of scale where you establish that you know baseline level of information, whether that's on the identity of an advertisement, the identity of a shipping container, the identity of a carton of mangoes, to begin then to automate additional adjacent business processes. That's where mm -hmm. the special sauce is. And then, of course, over time, the, the panacea, everybody's dream, is having these things interoperable with one another. Um, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're definitely a ways, a ways away from that. But um, I think that in terms of getting the enterprise networks up and running, I think that's going to continue to evolve, but as in any industry, you have to learn what works and what doesn't. And this is a relatively new model, I think, for how you generate value for uh, for enterprises. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and you, I kind of prepared some questions for you, <laughs> and you somehow answered uh, some of them. So uh, my uh, my other question that uh, that I had, um, and you partially answered it, like what should, should they do? Uh, about about getting to those uh, to those positions to start uh, consuming and absorbing the benefits of the blockchain. Yeah, so I think there's there's a couple of things. So first, um, you know, identify the places where it makes sense to start and scan the market to determine what's out there that you can participate in. So it's it's much easier to join a network than to try to build one. So mm -hmm. it's basically looking across the landscape cheaper. and saying. Yeah, exactly. Much cheaper, much easier. So looking across the landscape saying, where, where can we participate? What can we join in that will allow us to, to prove, uh, you know, both internally and uh, I guess externally that, these, that, that this is a viable approach to, to solving issues within an ecosystem. So I say that's number one. I'd say number two, I mean, there's, there's certainly the, the, the ability to benefit from internal blockchain projects. So mm -hmm. I would say that if, if you think about um, different components of, a, of an organization or especially a large multinational, these are by and large kind of sometimes run as different businesses. So there's the opportunity to build kind of these mini networks within companies as well and automate processes that are not standardized maybe between different business units or between different groups in ways that maybe uh, existing ERP systems can't. So I think that's another very interesting area is trying to identify uh, either cost takeout opportunities or revenue generation opportunities via internal projects. But you got to be realistic. I think if, if you're, if you're, buying this and you're going to advocate to your boss about you know what you can and what you can't achieve and that has to be very focused on uh, on performance metrics on performance metrics and uh, uh, just out of curiosity uh, do you already see some use cases where enterprises started to integrate or interconnect their current ERP systems SAP systems with the blockchain and if yes uh, would you point it yeah, well, what exact uh, uh, activities uh, they do and uh, how others uh, can benefit from that? 
so basically, you have to connect into an ERP system in order to to generate, and I think you know most value in most of these cases because it needs to be seamless integration with how you you manage your business. So, if you look at trust your supplier, um, the identity information can be integrated into existing procurement system. You can use different third party validators. Um, I, I think so. That that's basically once again, if you want to do Web 3.0, especially in the enterprise space, it basically has to go from ERP to blockchain network. There has to be some type of data standardization layer or data exchange back to the another blockchain network on the other side and back to an ERP system. So, you know, in order to get embedded with the way that businesses operate, um, you have to be connected to the systems that underpin those operations. I see. Okay. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Another question that I have for you, there, like, uh, I know that you were, if, I, I hope I can call this, um, a professional traveler. And you had some uh, tra travel addiction. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you traveled around uh, 17 countries. Is it yeah. true? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I am addicted. <laughs> so I, I hope uh, the world will will change again, and uh, we'll be able to travel again the way, same way we, we traveled before. So my my question about this, like, uh, how has this helped you? Uh, your experience seeing the world seeing different uh, companies, organizations, how did it help you to, uh, with what you do right now? Uh, yeah, I think it really helped. Oh, absolutely. It helped me in a, in a ton of different ways. I, I think that the, my, my biggest takeaway is that um, no matter where you go, whether you're, you're dealing with, um, you know, high powered government officials or executives in New York city, or whether you're taking a taxi in rural Sierra Leone, People are basically the same. I think that was my, my biggest takeaway. Um, you know, we are where we are because of, well, you know, where we were born, which is, you know, basically a random, one of the most random things in anyone's life where you're born. You can't choose that. But um, everyone basically wants the same thing. They want to have a you know, good life, time with their family. Um, in terms of, uh, I've, I've met, you know, folks driving taxi cabs in, in Uganda who have two master's degrees. So, it, it's just that we're all, you know, roughly the same level of intelligence. We have roughly the same needs. And uh, if you have that perspective, it, I think it just it improves your level of comfort and, and working with new people and being comfortable with them uh, more immediately. And, uh, and that's what drives positive inter interactions in your, your personal life or in your business life is, is, is being able to relate to people and being comfortable with them. So I'm, I'm a learned extrovert. Um, I, I learned that through traveling and through being exposed to, to lots of different types of people and lots of different scenarios. And it just, I think when you travel, you just realize um, it gives you faith in humanity because you see that most people are basically good. Awesome. Uh, glad to hear that. And I also know that you really, really, really passionate about anything related to the smart cities. Yeah. So what, what is your view about technology in the smart cities and of course like if you can uh, say a few words about uh, what the blockchain influ influence will be on the smart cities in the future and let's talk about smart city about how you see it uh, five yeah. years from now ten years from now 20 years from now yeah, so I, I think that I, 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 my, my first big career break was, uh, was definitely joining the, the management team for IBM Smarter Cities Initiative. It was a great experience, you know, super inspiring to, to travel around and talk with uh, city leaders and national leaders. Um, 
I remember one particular instance where I, I, I was talking with a, a gentleman who managed one of the water utilities for estates in India. and He was talking about how the procurement process, you know, took so long was basically undermining their ability to generate, you know, deliver clean water to, uh, to citizens throughout the state. And you not really think about that. Something that small can have big implications. Um, so I, I think that the smarter, smarter city space hasn't probably evolved as much as I would have liked over the past couple of years. I think that it's a lot of the same issues and I think a lot of the same questions. And it's really been focused on kind of optimizing front end systems like the transportation system or the water system, all the sexy stuff, right? All the stuff people want to talk about. But the tangible, I mean, it's, right? Yeah, it's all the tangible stuff. But it's, it's, it's I think that the, in terms of, uh, you know, budget planning and resource allocation, I think that's what's most exciting to me. And I can talk a little bit about how I think that, you know, blockchain may, might, might play a role in this because if you look at uh, cities where I, where I used to live on, New York City, it's not really a unitary actor. It's made up of all these various city agencies that deliver services to citizens. I don't get services through uh, New York City. I get citizens, I get services through the Department of Education or the Department, you know, the, the Department of Sanitation, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it, it, it might be. But as, as you've looked at COVID and you've looked at all the discussions that have gone on around how the stimulus money should be spent, where where it should go, I, I still come back to the to the common theme that you really you really don't know from a you know a a social perspective or from an economic perspective um, where we should allocate our money to generate the highest returns when it comes to, to uh, generating outcomes for people who live in cities. And I think that's what the, the promise is here is if you can get an integrated approach to resource planning and allocation across different issue areas, um, we really don't know where we're going to get the highest social return on investments. And for someone who is a recovering hippie or an ex-hippie, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, that, that's really important to me. And that's why I continue to be very interested uh, within the city space. I think that in terms of kind of these mini blockchain networks that we're talking about, I think that there's the opportunity to standardize business processes between agencies, right? So there's pieces of information yeah. that need to be exchanged within agencies that can't for different regulatory purposes or, um, or, or legal purposes. And there's also, you know, stores of value that if you had a better way of tracking them, if you had a better way of automating things, could get us to that vision or of having a more integrated approach to, to resource planning. So, um, you know, the, the, you know, the planet's going to, the future of the planet's going to unfold in cities. So there's, a, there's still a lot of work to be done to determine how we can more effectively manage uh, resources and, and ultimately generate outcomes for people. Really interesting. Really interesting. And uh, so, so you you also believe that blockchain actually going to play the pro one one of the main roles in the smart cities, especially from the angle of uh, helping with processes and automations. It could. I think that you know there's there, there's certainly the opportunity to do so. Um, you know, I, I think that obviously in anything smarter cities, it's the political. It's probably the politics. Uh, that are going to determine um, ultimately how this unfolds. Because if you're if you're making uh, resource allocation decisions based upon more evidence, there's probably going to be people who are not so satisfied with how the resources are allocated because it'll probably change the resource allocation yeah. in ways that might be detrimental to other to other people. So I don't know. Blockchain could play a role. I think that the, the blockchain use cases in in the public sector are still kind of developing. I would say. I mean, there's there's good there's been some good work that's happened. Uh, I don't know. So recently, China's got you know, you know, I don't know if they said hundreds of blockchain projects going on with different various aspects of of the government. I think the the key determining factor here will be whether they can be whole of government approaches or whether they're isolated within one particular agency or organization. Obviously, as you can see, I'm biased towards this kind of more of a whole government <laughs> approach. It's more of a network. I'm pretty predictable when it comes to this type of stuff. 
Um, but so I think the jury's out, but I think the, the potential is definitely there. I see. Awesome. David, I have actually, I'm not going to really grill you on that. I have actually two, two more questions with your permission. Okay. Yeah, of course. That, that I do think that uh, people who will watch and see, see this podcast in the future will, will actually uh, enjoy to hear the, the thoughts of people like you. Okay, because uh, you really represent one of the smartest people uh, on earth, and I really believe in that. So, oh, thank you. <laughs> the question I, number talk one. To, but can, you, can you tell my wife that? <laughs> Ask her to, to subscribe to the, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> to the channel okay. down the road. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, the, the first question that I have uh, is really simple. Uh, from uh, an innovation perspective, what do you see the biggest challenge in the enterprise today? So in terms of blockchain or just a, 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 just generally speaking? Generally speaking, uh, where I would say technology can help. Not necessarily blockchain. Uh, yeah, um, I, I would say that uh, I'll look at it from a, a business angle. Um, I, I think it's just kind of understanding ecosystem-based approach to, to getting things done within a business. I think that some companies... Uh, have done this really well in, in the tech space is understand is, is learning how to leverage ecosystems in support of, of, of growth and uh, different business objectives. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I have anything tangible to say about what the specifics look like, but my inclination is, is that this ecosystem approach is going to become, you know, more and more important over time, just because there's a lot of synergies to be gained by effectively trying to generate non-traditional partnerships or find new ways of going to market via the ecosystem. So I, I think it, it, it has to do with that, but with, with getting beyond your four walls as an organization and figuring out how you can match your organizational capabilities with uh, that of, uh, of organizations that are within your, uh, within your orbit. Nice. Yeah, totally makes sense. And another question, and I promise it's going to be the last question. <laughs> oh, no, I'm happy. I always like talking with you, so no problem. And uh, quite similar, but um, again, from an innovation perspective, what do you see the greatest opportunity and enterprises today like uh, how technology can bring a uh, change those opportunities so adjust those opportunities what's your thoughts yeah i'm not sure if i have a, an aha a point of view on that i think that uh, as we see all, all companies are technology companies now uh, i think that that's just going to be more pronounced as, as, as things progress because companies continue to digitally transform so i wouldn't say i, I would point out uh, one thing in particular, but if you're not a technology company now, you probably should, um, because every I think every, every organization has been infused by that, and it's a, it's a major source of competitive advantage. So I don't have any, I don't think I have anything super bright to say on this topic, except that I think we can expect that the digital transformation that's that's going on will continue to unfold. I actually strong believer that uh, when we're talking about digital transformation. It's not uh, just about doing some upgrades from technology perspective. I'm really firm believer that when we when we declare we need to be uh, to be to do digital transformation, for me it means we need to become digital. So it's technically it really doesn't matter what kind of business we we are in. We need to become digital business. This is how yep. I see it. And uh, when I really uh, looking in the history of uh, many companies like Kodak, I just published uh, about this uh, oh, interesting. Ago, uh, companies that 
failed to become digital, they're actually dead or dying right now. So I agree. agree with yeah, me? so you have to, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. You have to be a tech you have to be a technology company and as you said, you have to you have to bring together technology people in process. I mean that, that's what creates the value. And uh, yeah, the, the, this trend's not going anywhere. This one's going to keep on moving forward, and uh, either adapt or or don't adapt. And if you don't adapt, then you probably won't be around very long. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, David, another question, uh, really simple, kind of to summarize uh, our mm -hmm. conversation. By the way, I really loved uh, your view and what you were saying about this and the processes. And I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people talking about blockchain and processes in the same topic, okay? <laughs> uh, but uh, the really simple question that uh, if uh, people who will uh, watch this uh, podcast would like to contact you, uh, what the best way to be in touch with you? Uh, because I also know that you're a huge fan of uh, developing partnerships. Oh, definitely. And, uh, so uh, what the best way to be in touch with you? Yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn and uh, we can uh, figure out a time to, to, to uh, connect. So always happy to talk with folks like you who uh, enjoy the space and are doing good thinking on the topic. And uh, I, this is something I really love. So uh, always enjoy the opportunity to, to talk with folks who, who want to have good conversations in this area. Thanks for tuning in for our very first episode at the State of Innovation. If you have feedback for us, including topics, guests, or anything else under the sun, send us an email at info at stateofinnovation.show. Check out our website, stateofinnovation.show. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, or a handful of other platforms we plan to be on. And of course, check us out on LinkedIn where the daily conversation is bound to happen. The new digital era has certainly begun and we hope that the state of innovation can take your enterprise confidently there. The State of Innovation Squad hopes you've enjoyed this podcast.